Good evening and welcome everybody to Shabi Talking the Gate of Trust, Chapter 3. And this is our fourth class on Chapter 3. Tonight, we're going to talk about why we can't be Hashem's pet animal. Okay, okay. What are, what are, what are pets? Pets? Well, if you... If you treat them nicely, they don't have to do anything. You know, they just, you, you take care of them, you feed them, you, you take them for a walk. But for some reason, Hashem made the world in a way that we got to do our part. You know, we've been talking about trust in Hashem. And one of the things we've been talking about is that we still need the human effort. Why? Why do we need a human effort? Why can't Hashem just make things happen? Uh, the way at times I want them to happen or you want them to happen. Why, why do we have to work? And not only do we have to work, we have to work hard. Sometimes really hard. Why? God willing, tonight you're going to leave with two or perhaps three insights on that. So let's regroup where we're holding in chapter three. Um, we've, st we've learned five principles that the person trusting needs to know. So if I want to trust in Hashem, hi Yeshua, good evening. If I want to trust in Hashem, there are five things I need to be aware of. Number one, I need to know that Hashem has all seven qualities that foster faith, which we've discussed previously, that Hashem is, um, he's completely loving, and Hashem is supreme strength. He knows what's best for us. He takes care of us throughout our whole life. Seven qualities. The second principle is that Hashem knows what's going on inside of me. Like a king, you could say, you could tell the king, you're the best king, I love you, and really hate him in your heart. Hey, you can't do that with Hashem. You gotta, if you say you trust in Hashem, Hashem knows if you mean it. Number three is, we have to trust only in Hashem. Not trust in Hashem and my credit card. No, only in Hashem. Exclusively. Number four is, it's not enough to only trust in Hashem or say, I love Hashem. We actually have to serve Hashem. You have to do Torah and mitzvah. And finally, the fifth principle is that not only do we have to do Torah and mitzvah, we have to do our part to make life look um, to do our part to, or as it says here, hu the human effort to make our life succeed. Like the story of the man who is drowning and someone comes and offers him to get on a boat. He says, no, Hashem's going to save me. They come with a helicopter. No, Hashem's going to save me. And he passes away, he comes to heaven and he says, they say, you committed suicide. He said, no, I didn't. I was waiting for Hashem to save me. So they say, Hashem came so many times to save you. So we have to use a human effort, uh, do our part throughout life. And we started explaining last, last class, the Persian wheel, right? How the wheel, here's a little graph. Last time we got to uh, watch a little video of it. This 
wheel causes buckets of water to, to go into the well and then pull into the trough. And that wheel is moves through a pole connected to pulleys connected to, to uh, machinery connected to animals that are turning a whole gesheft in Yiddish. There's a lot happening to make that wheel turn. And we need to be, and Hashem made the world run with all of these gesheftim, with all of these different cause and effect systems. Part of the cause and effect system is I got to do my part. I got to turn the computer on if I want to be at this class. Got to make sure my technology is working. And we concluded, this is where we concluded last class, giving an example of eating. If you want to eat, well, right? They say you could take the cow to the water, but you can't make the cow drink. If, if you have food on your plate, that's still not going to be enough. You got to take your fork, stick it into the food, into your mouth. That's still not enough. You got to chew the food and then don't, you don't want to spit it out. It's not going to be helpful. You got to actually swallow it. Now, that, that, that itself, yes, even if you have prepared food, you got to do a little work of chewing and putting it in your mouth. But if it's not prepared, oh boy, you got to take your grinder and grind the flour and knead the dough and bake it. Now, what happens if I don't have the material? Oh boy, I got to go to the store. Well, what happens if I don't have money? I got to work hard. I got to schmidt. I got to carry people's stuff from one place to the next. Whatever. Hashem made this cause and effect system. So here comes the question, which is, why does Hashem want Ishtabos? I are good to see you. And, and we're going to learn here three, two reasons. But I said two, that's three. Here we go. And, and I'll explain why. The first reason Hashem wants us to do our part is because Hashem wants to reward you. Well, in order to reward you, you have to have some sort of test. You don't reward a flower for growing beautifully next to your house. He's not doing anything. He didn't do anything. For Hashem to give us a reward, so there's a test. Are you going to do? Are you going to do the human effort? Are you going to do what you need to do? And part of the human effort is: Are you going to do it appropriately according to Torah? Let me give you an example. You know what, before I give you the example, let's see it inside the first reason. Again, the first reason is going to be that Hashem makes us have human effort in order to reward us, in order to test us and see if we're following his instructions and then give us a reward or God forbid the opposite of a reward. Page 13, bottom of the page in the Hanukkah, the reason for human effort, the ha'ilah there are two reasons why the Creator made it in such a way that a person must make efforts to pursue and search for the means of his livelihood and other means. Two reasons why Hashem necessitates human effort. The first one. The first reason is because God in his wisdom decided, decided to test the person as to whether he will choose the service of the Almighty or to rebel against him. 
and Bachan also of Mashimara Zemimena. Therefore, he tested him in a matter through which it will be evident which path he chose. The way he did this is by causing a person to be needy and lacking that which is outside of him. In which areas? Be it whether the person needs food or drink, clothing, shelter, or cohabitation. In all of these things, there's ways that are appropriate, and there are ways that are inappropriate to accomplish all of these items of eating, drinking, clothing, shelter, and relationships. So he then instructed, Hashem instructed the people to pursue these things and to obtain them through means by which he prepared for them, only in specific manners and specific times. So let, let's go through some examples of what it means that there's specific manners and times in which to work on getting food and drink, for example. Can anyone give me an example of what would be appropriate or inappropriate when it comes to food? Well, what about times we can't eat? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur today, we, you're not allowed to eat. What about the idea of kosher meat? If you want to eat, eat an animal, it has to be slaughtered appropriately. Some days we can't slaughter. And in addition, in, in Israel, when the temple is standing, you should give Truman Meister, you should give part of your produce to the Kohen. So, there's ways and times how we get our food and drink. And the same thing is going to be working in the field. Hashem tells us, anyone know laws of working in the field? Any, anyone? You shouldn't use an ox and a donkey together to plow the field. You shouldn't plow forbidden mixtures of seeds together. You shouldn't work your field during the seventh year, the Shemitah year. So there's, there, Hashem has given us time and ways how to work in the field. Clothing. Anyone know clothing that's inappropriate to wear? Test over here. Shotness. Shotness, beautiful. Mixture of wool and linen. And the same thing is regarding relationships. There's people that, we, that are appropriate to marry. There are people that are inappropriate to marry. And even within marriage, there's times that are appropriate for relationships, times that are inappropriate. So Hashem has given us guidance in all of these areas and he's testing us because he wants to reward us and the way he's going to reward us is by us following through on the details, the instructions he's given us. Now, we have to try. That doesn't mean we'll be successful. Only Hashem will decide if we'll be successful. Those things that the Creator decreed that the person will obtain, he will obtain as a result of God making available all the means that he requires. While those things which God did not decree that he will obtain, he will not obtain them. 
since those means will be held, withheld from him. So if someone tries to plow their field on Shemitah, during a Shemitah year, his plow may break, his animals may die. He, he may not be successful. So Hashem is not testing us on if we're successful. Hashem is testing us if we try to accomplish a certain task. Now, I want, to, I want to just add here, when I say try, it doesn't mean if he thinks. Because we actually learn thinking to do something inappropriate is not considered doing it. However, what we are saying here is trying to do it and not fulfilling your desire, that's a, that's a reflection of, um, of an action. You've tried, you've actually tried to do it. So because of this, the nispararu mimenu ha'avoidav ha'avera betavonu uvevachira la'achas mehenem nidilti ha'achas. As a result, because Hashem has given us these details, it will become clear if he wishes to serve him or disobey him, based on his choice of the means with which he chooses to obtain his needs. So if you chose to obtain your needs in an appropriate way, you've made a clear choice. On account of this choice, he will either be rewarded or punished, even if he did not end up obtaining that which he tried to obtain. So the first reason that a person needs to work, the first reason that Hashem looks for Human effort is to see where are we holding? Are we deserving of a, of a reward? Any questions on that first reason? I think it's a little clear cut, simple reason. The second reason is also fascinating. What do people that have nothing to do do? If you have nothing to do, what do you do? Okay, no guesses. No one's experienced with having time to, to do nothing. If you have nothing to do, no purpose, no goal, we, oftentimes we get caught up doing inappropriate things. If, all of, if, if we have all the money in the world, and we have no need to do anything, then that, that often could be a cause of inappropriate behavior. So actually when Hashem is requesting of us human intervention, it is actually a method of keeping us holy. I'll tell you a personal story. When I was in seventh grade, I was very homesick. In general, I left, I left my house to learn in California in sixth grade. Smack in the middle of learning with Ari and Sarah Stone. So in sixth grade, I went to California and I was a very homesick child. I, I, uh, I would call home crying every night. And I, I guess my parents had enough of it. So at some point they're like, well, what are we gonna do about this kid? And you know what? The truth is, I'm very grateful to them and to my principal who gave, who, who made this happen. 
the principal said, he said, I think the problem is he has too much time on his hands. School ends at 3.34. He goes home for the rest of the night till 10. He has nothing to do. And so actually I skipped the eighth grade. I want to make a disclaimer. It had nothing to do with, with brilliance or being smart, nothing to do. It had to do because in ninth grade, you're busy from 7.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. You're in yeshiva whole day. Um, and I had no time to think about other things. And but thank God it, uh, it worked. I was less homesick, more able to focus. So when we have everything we need and nothing else to do, that's a cause for inappropriate behavior. So the second reason for intervention is to keep us holy. Let's see that inside. The Hasheni. The second reason why God made it that people be required to make efforts and employ various means to obtain their livelihood is because if a person would not need to exert himself to pursue and search for means of sustainment, how you buy it? He would rebel and pursue that which is forbidden. And he would not pay attention to his obligations towards God in exchange for the kindness of God over him. We, we would just get busy. Don't they call this like children of rich people? This is, unfortunately, at times, this is what happens. They have all the money and they don't uh, find purpose and meaning in their life and they get caught up in other things. Now we're gonna bring numerous verses that are gonna support this idea that if we don't have, if we get engrossed in, in pleasures, then unfortunately that's gonna be a cause for inappropriate behavior. has a verses in Yeshai and Isaiah. So there's a group of people and there's a harp, a lute, tambourine, a flute, and wine at their drinking feast. And then what happens with all of the celebration? And the work of the Lord they do not regard and the deed of his hands they have not seen. So they're getting caught up in the physical pleasure and Hashem's not in the picture. The Amar, another similar verse, by Yishman Yeshur and by Yivot, Shomanta Avisa Kosisa by Yiteshalik Eleka. So Yeshur, in a reference to the Jewish people, became fat and rebelled. You grew fat, thick and plump, and the Jewish people forsook the God who made them. This is actually a verse in Deuteronomy. Amru, Now we're going to bring a quote from Mishnah, Ethics of Our Fathers. Amru Zichrenim Levracha. In a similar vein, the Rabbi of the Blessed Memory said. Torah study goes well with with working, physical work, since the toil of both of them make misdeed scarce. Any Torah study that is not accompanied by work, if someone studies half day and the rest of the day, they lounge in their, in their house, will cease in the end. The, the Torah study itself will cease in the end and lead to misdeed. Now this is talking about it's saying that it's not enough to only have Torah study, you also have to have work. Now what happens if you don't have Torah study or work? 
Because we're asking here, why we need human intervention? And all the more so would someone rebel if he doesn't have either one of these. He's not working and he's not studying. So he's not learning Torah and does not pay attention to either one of them. That's a recipe for disaster. Okay. So the second reason why we need a human intervention is that we don't get caught up in inappropriate things. And now we're going to give an example of inappropriate things. Today, we're all familiar with this idea that when people have time on their hands, there's something called depression. Hi, good evening, Mark. Good evening. Unfortunately, when we have People are saying it has to do with our generation. Our generation, we're, thank God, we're living a tranquil life. Um, we're not threatened for life. We have time to think. You know, that, that ability to think is, is also bringing a lot of challenges for human beings. So now if we had time to only think and not, time for nothing else, what would happen is we would get philosophical and actually also think about things we should not be thinking about. Anyone can give me an example of things the Torah says you should not think about. The Mishnah and Chagiga tell us two things that we shouldn't focus on. Anyone? Okay, one of them is thinking about relationships, meaning, but not a, I'm not talking about a um, just a relationship. It's, it's thinking about the act of, um, of, a, of the relationship between a husband and wife. That's one, one area we shouldn't think, you shouldn't think about. Um, unless, of course, it's connected to a mitzvah. But the second thing is even thinking about the creation of the world. Trying to understand how Hashem could create the world um, in detail unfortunately, we say is something that God forbid could lead, lead someone to heresy. And so the Gemara and Chagika says we shouldn't get caught too philosophical in this area. Let's see that inside. It is out of compassion of the Creator on man. That he preoccupied him with being busy all the days of his life, with obtaining his worldly needs, and with doing Torah and mitzvot, which serve as provisions for the world to come. Why? Why is this helpful that we're busy doing Torah and mitzvot and doing our part of a human intervention? This helps. In order that he will not have time to seek out that which he does not need and that which he's not able to comprehend with his intellect. What's an example? What can we understand? Such as those matters pertaining to the beginning of creation and the end of the world. You know, just recently my daughter was asking me, how could it be that Hashem created the world? Who created Hashem? So I said, Hashem wasn't created. She said, that's impossible. I said, you're right, it's impossible for us to understand. Now, she didn't like that answer. She wanted an answer. 
And I just told her it's impossible. But, but thinking about these things, which are items we can't, they're beyond our comprehension. Um, we shouldn't be spending time thinking on thinking about things. Like the wise man. Who's the wise man, anybody? King Shlomo, thank you. Like the wise man said, Likewise, the wise man, King Solomon, said, also the wisdom of the world he put into their hearts, say that man should not find the deed which God did from beginning to end. In other words, Hashem gave us the ability to, to, to get caught up in, in some philosophical items and understanding, but actually part of the goal of that is that we shouldn't get caught up thinking about what the beginning what was before the world and what's going to be after the world. So let's, let's review. Let's review and, and I'll, I'll just come here for a moment. We have two reasons why Hashem wants us to be busy. Actually, we could have the handout right here. Um, So here we see why does Hashem want the human intervention? Why does Hashem want Hishtagos? Number one, the first reason is to test one's commitment to God's service. And the second reason is that he'd be kept busy in productive ways. The Rebbe shares an additional thought, which is why does Hashem want us to do work. Why does Hashem want us to have the human intervention? And that's because Hashem wants us to be active participants in creation. Hashem doesn't want to just give us free, free money. You know, the Rebbe told us, he said, he told Chabad, he said, don't give out anything for free. Don't give out a menorah. Don't just walk around and give out menorahs. Now, now do it if that's the situation. So for example, if you're in a subway station or, and you don't have the opportunity to collect money, so just give them out. We want you to give them out. But ideally, you should ask a person for a dollar. And literally, they're already said one dollar. It's not about getting paid. We're not looking to get paid for the menorah. But you want people to have a part in it because that's actually going to make them appreciate it more, right? So when you pay for something, so you, you, you're going to appreciate it more. It, if the world is our world, if we're part of the creation, wow, that makes us feel much better. So the human intervention is actually a way of, of also having us feel better about our, about our need, our value, um, and what we can accomplish. No questions? Uh, I was hoping someone would have a question because I didn't want to get to the next topic. Just kidding. I'll, but I'll tell you why I say that. We now go on to what I'm familiar with, and I, I could be wrong, but what I'd like to think is one of the first commentators, again, this was written over a thousand years ago, who talks about why bad things sometimes happen to good people. And why good things sometimes happen to bad people. And listen to how he's going to come to it. 
we said there's two reasons why Hashem wants a human intervention, whether it's because to test us or so we're not going to get caught up in shtusim and negative things. Now, Rabbeinu Bachai is going to tell us if someone does not need to be tested because they've proven that they're only going to do what Hashem wants and when they've proven they're not going to get caught up in shtusim so that we don't need a human intervention from them anymore. In other words, a real tzaddik does not need to have a human intervention. Let me repeat that again. Oh, actually, you just see the title. The righteous person when man needs not to toil. Rabbeinu Bachai is going to tell us the righteous person doesn't need that human intervention we've spoken about. What that's going to lead us into is, well, then why do I see righteous people who are working really hard and toiling? They don't need to toil. Mark, you with me? Okay, let's see that inside. If a person strengthens himself in the service of the Almighty, choosing to be fearful of him. That's it. Hashem, Hashem knows that this person has passed the test. And to rely on him both with regard to Torah matters as well as with regard to worldly matters. And he turns away. In addition, he turns away from inappropriate character traits. And instead, he strives towards good character traits. So in this scenario, he does not rebel against God, even at times when he's at rest from his stresses. Remember, we said the second reason why we need to work is so we're not going to rebel against Hashem. Well, this person has proven he's not going to rebel against Hashem, even if he's, so to say, living a life of vacation. And he does not turn towards leisure, leisure rather constantly involving himself with the service of God, and he's not going to be swayed by the evil inclination, inclination, and he's not going to be enticed by the indulgences of the world. This person has proven that he's going to do what's right. So I don't need to test him anymore to see what his reward will be. And as well as, he's also proven that the idle time, so to say, the, the fact that he's not going to be busy cutting down trees for wood is not going to make him rebel. So in that scenario, which hopefully, by the way, that is everybody here, so if you're in this class right now and you are somebody who has already shown a commitment to Hashem and that you've proven that you follow what Hashem is instructing. And you've also proven that in your free time, you're not going to get caught up in negative things. So I have good news. Here's the good news. And in turn, such a person will be relieved from the need to exert himself in the search to obtain his sustainment. He's not going to have to work, or you, Baruch, you're not going to have to work hard anymore. You've proven yourself 
Since the two reasons mentioned above, why a person is required to make efforts to provide for himself, Namely, what were the two reasons for the purpose of testing the man by God to see whether he will choose permitted or forbidden means? And so that a person will not rebel due to the goodness that he enjoys, do not apply to him if this does not apply to you. So instead, he will be sustained without any exertion or hard work, according to his needs and sustainment as it is written, the Lord will not starve the souls of the righteous. So good news, all of you here. You can sit back, kick your feet up, and the whole day just listen to Torah classes, and your bank account will continue to flow with cash, and your health will be amazing. You will only find happiness in life. Amen. But we don't see that always happening. Yeah, because how come my bank account isn't filling up? Well, that's, uh, that's, that's the question. That's the question. And like I said, this was written a thousand years ago. And now we're going to talk about why Mark's bank account is not filling up. Depends on the currency. <laughs> these are all valid points. We'll see if these are some of the seven answers that are going to be presented. But, but ultimately, ultimately, the message is very strong. This is a very strong message. The message is that a person who's following what Hashem says, he doesn't need the human intervention anymore. And therefore, I need to, I need to ask the question, so then why... Not only does he need human intervention, but why do I see righteous people that are suffering? Why do I see wicked people that are prospering? Okay, this is an age-old question, of course. And I'd love to hear, my Amanda, what's your answer? What have, what have you learned before? On one foot in 15 seconds. Why righteous people, some righteous people suffer <clears throat> and wicked, wicked enjoy Pleasures of life? Is that the question? That's the question. Now I'm looking to you for the answer. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Uh, okay, okay. Anyone want to share an answer that they've learned previously? Because wicked people don't know that they're wicked. Okay, okay that, that's, that's a fair answer, kind of. There are wicked people that know they're wicked. Yeah, and I know, and they're, they're righteous people who don't know that they're righteous. Okay, but the question is, why does a wicked, let's just take a simple example of a wicked person who knows who's wicked. Why are there wicked people who know they're wicked and still prosper? Uh, they were in the right place at the right time. <laughs> oh, I, so we have to disagree. The right place, and Mark, forgive me for saying this, but the right place at the wrong time is not um, a Jewish belief. About what? Okay. Meaning, meaning, let me clarify. Every moment 
we are in the right place at the right time. Because we believe, we're confident that Hashem has brought us here. Oh boy, I guess I, I scared Michael, my, I, scared, I, I scared Mark off. <laughs> okay. Um, doesn't it have to, Schneer, doesn't it have to do with the people that suffer in this life will experience the opposite in Olama Ba? Ah, ah, okay, okay. So let, let's, let's why see. exactly, but that's... Now, now, now you're getting somewhere. Good, good, good. Very well. Yeah. Let's see this inside. The e, now, the truth is, Rabbeinu Baha'i is going to give us seven reasons why the righteous may suffer, and then I'll talk about why the wicked prosper. But before he does that, he's going to tell you that don't think you have a brilliant question because your question has been asked by many people before you. And there was no answer given. So you don't need an answer. So again, we're going to learn that this was a question that was asked by many people prior to us without an answer. Um, I'm just going to allow Mark back in. Mark, I, I hope we didn't scare you off before. No, my, my, my battery wasn't in the right place when my timer died. <laughs> I, I can't hear you for some reason. Suddenly your mic isn't on or something. Okay. In the, in the most extreme case, it's, uh, this is consistent with the Rebbe's explanation yes. of the Holocaust. I can. Yes, yeah, so just going back to Yeshua, Yeshua, the Rebbe said regarding the Holocaust that there is no answer that we can give. Is that what you're referring to? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mark, we hear you now. You know, my battery wasn't in the right place at the right time and just died on me. Now, it was divine. Hashem wanted you should go off at that moment. I, I do. <laughs> okay. So, again, if we're going to learn at this moment that. Many people have asked this question. Again, this was written a thousand years ago. So a thousand years ago, he's telling you that prior to me, many people have asked this question and intentionally not given an answer. Let's see it inside. If one will ask, behold, we see some righteous people whose sustainment becomes available to them only after much hard work and toil, while we find while we find many sinners who are at peace and live good and pleasant lives. This is not fair. This, this is, this is uh, fair. I want you to know, he says, the prophets and pious have already preceded you in questioning this matter. Not a new question. And now he's going to um, kind of share with you some of the answers they've given. Mayhem, Misha Yaimar, Yermio, Isaiah said, Madua Derekhusharm Tolcha. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? From our another prophet Chavakuk said, "Lama sareini oven the amal tavit, the shoyz the chamos lenegdi by he rivel mother Yisah, 
Why, Hashem, do you show me iniquity and look upon mischief? And plunder and violence are before me. And the one who bears quarrel and strife endures. They are marked. Rush Chavakuk also says, for a wicked man surrounds the righteous. You, you be silent when a wicked man swallows up one more righteous than he. How could that be? And King David said, Behold, these are the wicked, and they are ever tranquil. They have gained much wealth. And another puzzle, King David says, Surely in vain have I purified my heart and washed my hands in cleanliness. For I was afflicted all day, and my rebuke came each morning. So far, we've said three prophets. Well, all three we've quoted from Yermio, Chabakot, we've quoted from Davramah, from Tillin. The Amar Acher Alanshi Doida, and another prophet, Malachi, said, They also tempt God, and they've nevertheless escaped. The Har and there's many verses similar to this, where we see the prophets asking, like, how can this be? Ah, what's the answer they gave them? Yet, while the prophets asked this question, they did not offer a response which explains the reason for this. And listen to what the reasoning. They didn't explain it because each situation is a different answer. An incredible thing. Each situation, why, why one person is prospering. Another one is suffering. Each one of these millions of situations is all different and I can't give you a answer because there is no the answer. This is because why didn't the prophet explain because the reason why each righteous person is tested with poverty, as well as the reason why each wicked person is blessed with good in this world, is different one from the other. And therefore, it merrily is commented regarding this idea that we can't understand. It says, the hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things apply to us and to our children. So the revealed thing is we got to do to our own mitzvah. But you want to try and figure out why this one's getting a reward and this one's punishment? That's only for Hashem to know. The Amar, another verse similar to this, the Amar Echacham, again, King Solomon, the Daniel is that, Im Aishek Rosh, the Gezel Mishpat, but Tzedek, Tirav Amadina, If you see oppression of the poor and deprivation of justice and righteousness in the province, wonder not about the matter. It's not something that we should start taking time to think about. It's something Hashem understands. The Amar Kasev in another verse, Hatsur Tamim Pa'olai, Kichol, the Rach of Mishpat, the deeds of the mighty rock of Hashem are perfect, for all of his ways are just. So, so we can't understand this. Um, and even if we, even what we can understand, every situation has a different reason, and we don't have the ability to look into every situation. So we need to trust in Hashem. 
Now, this is what's fascinating. I'll just read the next two lines. The im calls it, nevertheless, for each levar benin hazem, mashahoyah boy me'atasbaka. Nevertheless, says Rabbeinu Bachaya, the truth is we can't understand it. But I've seen a need to explain this matter. It, it, it's bothering some people so much. Why some righteous people suffer while some wicked people prosper in such a manner that it should be somewhat sufficient of an explanation. He says, look, our prophets were clear that the hidden matters are for Hashem, but, it's, but I'm also seeing that that's not satisfactory currently in the year uh, 900, 950. And right now people need some, some sort of answer to grasp onto. And uh, what we're gonna continue next week is actually giving, giving seven answers why, riches, why the righteous may suffer. So let's review what we've learned tonight. What we've learned is that Hashem wants human effort to test us and to keep us busy. Now, if these two reasons don't apply, then we don't need the human effort. And so we started getting into um, exactly actually the gray paragraph, gray section here. Why are righteous suffering? You may ask, why are they suffering? Well, know that this question has been asked throughout all generations. And the previous generations intentionally did not give an answer because every situation is different. Nevertheless, Rabbein Bachayat says, I understand that there's a need to address the question, and I'm going to try and give a, a somewhat sufficient answer. So there we have it. We've learned the reason for the human effort. We've learned that uh, with Hashem's help, we shouldn't need the human effort. Um, and next week, we're going to address one of the greatest questions of all time uh, with a little understanding. Any questions, comments, or concerns? In some